Good morning and welcome to the Church at Junction 10 and to Mary's Lounge as we're not able to use the teleprompter and the office uh, at the moment. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. So we're continuing in our series of the Beatitudes and this is from Matthew 5 verse 7. Mercy, mercy, mercy. It's not a word that we use very much these days. It's not one that's in common parlance. We may sing the song his mercy endures forever, but it's not really a word that's used widely outside of religious circles. We used as, as Christians with the context for mercy, we talk about mercy mission in India and the fantastic work that Charlie Tom does out there, showing love, dignity and giving worth to people who otherwise maybe wouldn't have it. Practical support in very challenging situations to children and orphans. To be honest, at the start of this series, I was a bit disappointed to be given Blessed are the merciful. It wouldn't have been the topic that I would have chosen. I am naturally, and I'm honest, more inclined towards justice, equality, and fairness. So mercy is an area of personal development and growth for me, which I've actually found very, very interesting studying. And as I started digging, I really discovered mercy in a new way that I'd not really considered before. And that's what I'm gonna share with you this morning. So let's start with an honesty test, okay? A scale of emotion challenge. Now clearly, if you're at home with someone, do it with them. Otherwise, I want you to imagine a line. And at this end, on the scale, is disgust. And at this end of the scale is mercy. And in between, we've got things like disgust, anger, frustration, apathy, sympathy, compassion, love, and mercy. So you get the idea. I'm gonna give you a series of situations and I want you to honestly, just a quick knee-jerk reaction, scale where you think you are on this scale from the disgust to the giving mercy or anywhere in between. And I want it to be your immediate responses. Don't think about it. Don't be holy. This is just what you really think. A drug addict. Where do you scale them? A terrorist. Which end of the scale? A doctor or a nurse in the NHS. Maybe the scale's not big enough. A hungry child. A thief. Someone ill with coronavirus. A homeless person. A human trafficker. Someone who hoards toilet rolls. And in fact, this list and our responses would probably change. I would never have dreamt when I wrote this to a couple of weeks ago, that I would be saying, where would you scale someone who holds toilet roll? That's a symptom of our times today, isn't it? And how worthy do you feel that these people are of God's mercy? Where do you think they are on God's scale? If God has a scale, we've just scaled where we feel people are. How do you think God would scale them? Because we know, don't we, that Jesus offers love and unconditional mercy to everyone. He doesn't prejudge like we do. God sees all of us as we truly are. And he loves us constantly. Whilst he still urges us to transform, to grow and holiness. God, I believe, wants the best for everyone. And he continually reaches out 
to all of us in love, but that is not an excuse for sin or disobedience. And I want to give a health warning here. God loves and forgives all of us if we are genuinely repentant and we're sorry. He shows incredible love and mercy way beyond what most of us have the capacity to do. But there are still human consequences when we disregard his path because our behaviour and our choices, whilst God will forgive us and show mercy, still impact on us and on other people. Think back to the toilet roll hoarder in the supermarket. They may go home and they may genuinely be sorry, but actually their behaviour has had an impact not only on them, but also on other people and society around them. They can be forgiven, they can show mercy, but there are still consequences. God forgives, but actually the harder part can actually be learning to forgive ourselves. We receive mercy from God in the depths and the darkness of our greatest need. So, what's mercy? Mercy is a love that responds to human need in an unexpected or unmerited way. Mercy is undeserved forgiveness or kindness. Let me give you an illustration. Police received a report, it was in the States, of a car driving backwards at speed round a neighbourhood. It had been reported on several occasions and finally the police saw it actually happening themselves. They couldn't believe their eyes. There was a car full speed reversing and reversing round all these corners and straight bits. The police pulled over the car and said, what on earth is going on? And out stepped a teenage girl. She told her parents that the police let her use the car as often as she needed it. But they stopped her when they realised how much mileage she was putting on the clock. I can relate to that one, James Banks and Josh Banks. So she was driving her car backwards to try and turn the clock back and unwind some of the miles. Unfortunately, I don't think it works. Don't try it at home. But most of us have learned, haven't we, that actually we can't unwind the past. The good news is there is nothing that is beyond the mercy of God. And we need to know that. We need to internalise that and hold on to that reality in our lives. Some of you will have read the chapter, The Mercy, from the book Words on the Hill, and it gives some fantastic examples of people who have stepped out and loved and supported others who have been in difficult situations in prostitution, in destitution, on the streets, sufferers of abuse, and people who've really needed help, support and shelter. And it's shown how people have reached out to them with God's unconditional love and mercy and come alongside them. And we've all seen and heard of stories, haven't we, in the news in the last week or so of how local communities have risen to the challenge of coronavirus and risen to how they can help and support neighbours. So amongst the really awful stories of the hoarding and people's selfishness, we've also heard great stories of courage and of inspiration, of shopkeepers who've gone the extra mile, who've seen people crying in the streets because they haven't been able to get what they really needed and they've put together bags and delivered them to people. For nurses and doctors who've not been able to go to the shops or when they have done, they've been empty and how people in the community have rallied around. So we're hearing lots of really great stories of community growth and community transformation. And I'm hoping that as a church and as a community that we can continue to impact those that live around us. And I'm sure we'll hear stories emerging from our own congregation of acts of kindness, of generosity and of practical demonstrations of God's love and mercy. And it will be good to hear some of those examples in the weeks and months ahead. So I'm moved by the mercy, love and compassion that people can show to each other. 
Many of us work in vocations where we're daily dealing with very difficult situations that require love and mercy. Many of you know I work as a social worker uh, as a, in Warsaw and see the results of abuse and neglect on children and strive passionately to support foster carers to negate this so that children can have a normal life experience. I've seen and I've, I've done some voluntary work in homeless shelters in Birmingham. I work with orphans in Bulgaria and Africa and I'm sure many of you have also done some of these things. But I only really have a very small understanding, I would say, of the practical demonstration of mercy that I feel as Christians we're called to show. I am no expert. And I admit that I frequently fall short in this area. But in truth, I have never, by the grace of God, found myself in a really dire situation. So I could easily fall into the trap of thinking, well, I don't really need that much of God's mercy then. And maybe if we're really honest, that's something we need to reflect on. But then you explore it further and I think further and deeper and think this is really, actually, this is quite arrogant and faulty thinking. We all need God's love and God's mercy. But probably don't appreciate it as much as those in dire situations. The greater the perceived need of an individual, the greater, I think, the appreciation of God's love and mercy. No matter what our poverty looks like, and hear me, we are all needing God's mercy. We are all needing God's love and salvation. But whatever is missing, mercy invites us to receive mercy. And as we receive and understand the mercy that we've received from God, so we're in a stronger position and more able to show mercy to other people. And it's kind of like a circle. As we receive mercy, then we show mercy. And as we show mercy, we receive mercy. And round and round it goes. What we receive, we pass on. I was most struck by one sentence from the chapter on mercy from the book, Words on the Hill. And it was this one. The works of showing mercy to others is vital and important, but the Beatitudes offer us a beautiful internal work as well as an external one. So as we wrestle with what mercy looks like in our lives, we need to start here with showing mercy to ourselves. The first work of mercy is personal. As we understand the divine mercy from God, we accept his mercy and we show it to ourselves. I want to try and just for a few minutes explain this a bit further and see how we can apply it to our lives. So I'd like to tell you the story of Mrs Jones. Now Mrs Jones lived in a remote Welsh village just at the time that they had electricity installed and she was one of the last people her street to get electricity. And it had been running for a few weeks and the electricity board noticed that Mrs Jones was hardly using any electricity at all. And they couldn't fathom out why, because all her neighbours on the street were hooked onto the grid and they were using a lot of power. But Mrs Jones was hardly using any. So a woman from the electricity board went and knocked on her door. How are you, Mrs Jones? Well, lovely. Thank you so much for coming to see me. It's wonderful now I've got this electricity. It's fantastic. So the woman from the electricity board said, well, Mrs Jones, I don't quite understand what's happening. Well, says Mrs Jones, let me tell you this lovely. 
I put the electricity on every night. It's magic. And I go and I use it to light my lamp and my candles. And when I've done that, see, then I turn it off again because I don't want to waste it. And the candles and the lamp are fantastic. So I'm using all the electricity that I need. Well, I don't know what you think about that. But Mrs Jones could see clearly to light her lamp and that was all she wanted. She didn't actually understand or appreciate the incredible benefit that electricity could give her. We might think that's very short-sighted and ridiculous. Maybe that is just how we apply God's power and God's love and God's mercy in our lives. We allow just a little bit and then we resort to our old familiar ways. I wonder, do we accept all of God's mercy and love or just a little bit so we think that that's all we need? So we still continue to carry burdens, some heavy and some light, some obvious and some hidden. Burdens of sorrow and regret for hurtful words that maybe we shouted in anger. Burdens of despair, maybe it's some bad habits that we feel we can't change. Burdens of regret that maybe unkind or manipulative things that we did to another person. Maybe burdens of embarrassment at not doing something kind or generous when we had the opportunity, but we let it pass by. These are all examples of burdens of guilt. And sometimes we can be very aware of the mistakes that we've made. And our conscience tells us that we should have made better choices. We may carry the burden of mediocrity. We may not feel we've got any big burdens weighing us down, nothing very obvious. But maybe when we really look and think about it and reflect, we may be unconsciously weighed down by our own mediocrity, of our lack of love for others. And deep down, we can identify with our own smallness, our own pettiness. And actually, we want to escape from this. We aren't great sinners, but maybe we don't feel worthy of very much either. So let's look at the familiar parable of the lost son, the loving father, and how he deals with each of his two children. And let's view it through the lens of God's mercy and how this applies to us. So in this parable, we have two sons. We're familiar with the younger son who was went away and spent his father's inheritance, his share on riotous living. And then he came home abject, sorrowful and repentant. He was weighed down by direct rebelliousness and deliberate, and he regretted the choices that he'd made and the things that he had done. He was the seemingly obvious sinful one. And maybe some of us can identify more with him. And then we have the elder son, the son who stayed at home, who continued to work hard every day for his father, was seemingly the righteous one. But he was unconsciously perhaps weighed down by pettiness, by jealousy and an overly maybe re religious view of life. He had an unforgiving heart, seemingly righteous. And maybe some of us, even though we don't want to, can identify more with him. Both sons needed mercy. Both children needed the mercy and love of a forgiving father. The father didn't wait for their apologies. He rushed and he came home and he loved and forgave and showed mercy to his children as they were. 
By showing unconditional love and mercy immediately to both sons, the father restored their wholeness. He made it possible for them to grow beyond themselves, to grow beyond their sin and jealousy and to be restored and made whole. And that is what the mercy of God offers to each of us. We are unconditionally loved. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Whatever our situation, and hopefully you can identify with something that I've said this morning, we all need God's mercy. And we need to learn and acknowledge and accept his mercy and then show it and demonstrate it to ourselves and to those around us. No matter what our poverty looks like, whether it's externally visible to other people or whether it's internal and it's more hidden, God's mercy is still there for us. God's mercy is still there for you. When we acknowledge this and we receive his mercy, we are able to look at others with more mercy. We receive mercy. We show mercy. We show mercy. We receive mercy. Showing and receiving mercy is what these Beatitudes are about. It's what this Beatitude is about. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I just want us to listen to the song Kyrie Eleison by Michael Smith. If you can't listen, you can look it up on YouTube later. And the chorus of this is, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. And as you listen, I'd like us to just prayerfully reflect together that, Lord, I need to receive and show mercy for sorrow, for regrets. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. Let's just pray together. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand and know the incomparable love and mercy that you have for each one of us. I pray, Lord, that you would just shine your light on each one of us. That you would identify where we need to be open to your mercy. For what we have and for what we haven't done. For our mediocrity. For our small-mindedness. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me for our reliance on ourselves and not on you. Lord, have mercy. And Father, I pray that you would give us opportunity to show mercy to those around us at this difficult time. Father, I pray that you would provide divine opportunities for acts of kindness, for love and practical demonstrations of your mercy. To our neighbours, to our friends, to those in self-isolation, Lord, have mercy on us at this time and help us to be vessels and showers of your love and mercy. Amen. Thank you for watching the Junction 10 live streaming this week, as you can see. We're going to have to be using different venues and experimenters as the situation is ever-changing. But thank you for being with us. Lord, have mercy. Go forwards and show love and mercy to others and to yourself. Amen.